Welcome to the Inkfeather podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every other week, we chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren, and this is episode 30, where we chat with literary agent Jenna Zantian. Jenna Zantian is a friend of mine, and she is absolutely delightful. We became friends a long time ago at San Diego Comic-Con, randomly at a book party, which we'll talk about in the interview a little bit. Um, She started her own agency and has just done amazingly in the past five years since it's been off the ground. So today, she and I dig into, you know, what it was like starting her own agency and the ins and outs of having new clients and how she finds her clients. And she also gives a lot of really amazing tips and suggestions. If you are a writer and you want to get published, you don't want to miss this interview. Um, She even gives a a simple tip on how to get into the top 20 to 30 percent of visibility for agents just by doing one simple thing. So it's really great. We're also going to have a bonkers (laughs) giveaway. Basically, we're giving away like a copy of every book that is one of her clients books it's just like a massive pack it's gonna be great so definitely check it out she is so cool now Jen and I recorded this back in the spring when I was actually at her house visiting and it's been a while for me to get it up because I kind of took the summer off from the podcast in some ways I I always thought about it, but I needed a break because, you know, it's it's a lot of work and I love it and I don't want to not love it. And so to kind of, I needed to kind of examine um, what I was doing with it. So this summer I spent some time, I hired a podcast consultation from um, Amanda McLaughlin, who is one of the co-hosts of Spirits Podcast, and she has her own like consulting firm, and she was beyond brilliant, and if you haven't heard Spirits, you totally should check them out. They are amazing, and I highly recommend because it's just, you know, they drink a mixed drink and talk about folklore and fantasy stories, and it's really awesome. So, but she gave me some really great feedback, and one of the things she made a point about was that I should do a Patreon. Now, I have toyed with this idea for multiple, multiple, multiple months, uh, pretty much since the podcast started. And I've hesitated because I didn't want it to be like every other Patreon. And so part of what I'm going to do in the next few weeks, even a few months, is I am going to really brainstorm unique and fun ways to give my patrons um, something different, something a little bit more fun. I, you know, one of the things she suggested, which I totally could do is, you know, maybe quarterly, I do a, an ARC grab bag because I get advanced copies of books all the time. I have books from like 2011 that are advanced copies that I just happened to have that were extra copies that publishers sent to me. So, you know, give those away and, you know, spread the love a little bit. So things like that. So, it's in the process. I'm working on it. It's a lot, but I'm excited because, you know, I want to take this podcast to the next level. I want it to be, um, continue to be a big part of my life. And I want it to still be as joyful for me as it was when I started it. And, you know, I've been interviewing people for like a decade and, you know, it does get tedious after a while. Not, not any fault of any authors or anything. It's just, you know, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, you eventually get bored. So, The podcast was a way to make things fresh, and I still love that about it, but I needed to make sure I could balance things out a bit. So I will be doing a Patreon. So, you know, make sure you're following us. Make sure you're keeping your eyes peeled because there will be really fun, cool 
bonuses and prizes for the patrons. And, you know, I would love it if you're a fan of this podcast, if you would support that once it's up and running. And I definitely will make sure to mention it. One of the other changes I'm making is I am going to be more consistent with publishing. When I started the year, I wanted one every week. And that burnt me out a little bit because it's a lot of work again and I have it on top of my (laughs) photography job and all the other things that I do and so then I kind of took a break and then I was inconsistent so I am going to be doing every other week every Wednesday morning will be a new episode so this is the first one kind of starting that and I'm excited to kind of have that consistency also I know that I have talked in past podcast episodes about my Etsy stores. I have a lot of really cool author-related swag. I have signed book plates and prints from my authors from the author calendars I shot. I also am starting to build a better bookstagram um, Etsy store with, you know, fused glass sun catchers with bookish themes. And I'm also starting to make like leather-based bookmarks and things like that. But I am going uh, overseas in a couple of days for five weeks. So I will be putting those Etsy stores on hold. So make sure you're following me on, like I said, Instagram, which is at Ink Feather Books, or on Twitter is the same. And also, if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, that's probably the best place to have the most data. If you want to, you know, maybe get a present for someone in the fall or maybe leaning into Christmas. Um, once I'm back at the end of September, I will put the stores back up and running. But I just, I'm not going to be here, so I can't mail the things. But, um, but I've got some really fun, cool products that I'm really excited to get launched this fall so cross your fingers that they work it's a little experimental but i'm really excited to get those going okay so before we dig into the episode there's one other thing i want to talk about um you know i'm always reading for these chats and i'm always reading outside of this and one of the things that i found to be a guilty pleasure of mine is i love doing Generally, I love doing audiobooks, but I really like doing romance novels on audiobook. I don't know. It just feels like a little secret, like a, like a dirty little secret where I'm like, ooh, things are happening, and I'm like in the grocery store. I know it's a little weird, but it makes me smile, and I have realized that I you know, staunchly proclaim myself as a fantasy sci-fi book person, which is 99% true. The only pretty much contemporaries that you will get me to read is if it's a book club recommendation from my Borders book club group, which I have delved into some books that way. But also sometimes I'll read just a straight romance. That's one genre that I actually don't mind reading on audio. It's just, you know, it's complete, you know, ear candy for me and fluff. And um, I know I'm a couple months late to the party, but I just listened to Red, White and Royal Blue. And holy crap, that book was amazing. I... I'm obsessed (laughs) with that book and I wish that I had a loser policy for the podcast because I would totally love to get the author on here but it's not fantasy it's the first son of America who has a frenemy relationship with the the future prince of England king of England and then shenanigans happen and then love happens and it's just delightful and I oh definitely sexy definitely you know really romantic and it's just The political stuff in there is great. So there are a few things that are a little more sensitive, but yeah, I highly recommend that book. So, oh my gosh, if you like, especially on audio, when I first started the audio, the narrator was a little dry, but holy crap, he gets the voices incredible. And I was cackling because he, the, the, the book is hilarious. There's a lot of like slang, tongue in cheek words, and the narrator does an amazing job with the with the voices. So I definitely recommend it on audio if you like audio. So now we're going to jump into the interview with Jen 
and hear all about what it was like starting her own agency and hearing about some of her clients and and I hope you guys enjoy. Jen, welcome to the Ink for the Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. This is very weird, you guys. We are both sitting on her couch in her office, staring at each other. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're using my mic. I'm traveling with my mic right now, so you don't have to stare. We don't have to, like, look at each other. It would be very awkward. Nobody talks to humans like that anyways. Right. So, um, but you and I have been friends, we figured out, since 2012 is when we met mm-hmm. at San Diego Comic-Con's Scholastic Party. Right, my first one. My first one. And we were probably lost souls who were a little like, oh my God, and kind of gravitated. And our good friend Mike, hi Mike, um, was with us and we kind of formed a good friendship through that. And we've been friends a long time. And it's been really cool for me on my end. One of the reasons I wanted to, you were one of the first people I thought of when I was doing this podcast was just... You know, I've known you from before you launched your agency and I've seen you, I've talked to you through how it's growing pains and everything and seen the successes it's now had. And it's been really fascinating as your friend to kind of, yeah, see the journey. It's, I think it's really cool. So I guess before we kind of delve into details about the, you know, those growing pains I was talking about, um, what are some of the books that are out in the world that are of the authors that are kind of some of your clients, maybe books that we've heard of. I know they're sitting right behind me in giant stacks, but, um, you've had a bunch kind of back to back. You were just saying, um, yeah, yeah. I've got, uh, walking through fire came out late last year. Um, and that is a apocalyptic novel that follows a mom and her son and their journey, uh, trying to sort of navigate that. And, um, I also have Kingdom of Copper came out in January. Yes. Um, and we've got, uh, gosh, February, Miss Metal and Ash, which is the sequel to the duology from Gwendolyn Clare. Yep. Um, and uh, the third and final book in the Mystic Cooking Chronicles um, by Heidi Lang and Katie Barkowski um, called A Pinch of Phoenix that has the most gorgeous cover I think I've ever, like for all of the middle grades. I just love it so much. Oh my gosh. The other ones are already, they're gorgeous it's too. so beautiful. Oh my gosh. That's exciting. It's exciting when the whole packaging, like when everything lines up mm. like that. Um, yeah, so you have a lot back to back that's come out. Yeah. And it's been really cool to, like I said, see the journey and, you know, as you've gotten clients and what that was like. And, um, we've got to give a shout out to your husband, Ben. He's rad. And he (laughs) He is very helpful, very supportive, um, helps, you know, with all aspects for you emotionally and just like with the business too. And, and which, but that's important because I think that that and having that support gave you the ability to really focus your business how you wanted it to be. So, mm-hmm. like, talk to me about, I guess, how you got started. So you got started in 2014. Yeah, so when I first decided to start my own agency, it was incredibly scary. I yeah. didn't think that, personally think that I was ready. Um, I, you know, it was very early in my career, and it was it was really my mentor, um, who's another agent who's been in the industry for over gosh, it's got to be 35 years now, and my partner. So the two of them really said, like, I think this is something that you can do. Yeah. You can you can brand yourself. You have a very clear vision of what you want your agency to look like already and, mm-hmm. and the kinds of books that you represent. There's a kind of general 
theme. Um, I liked speculative books, but also just heart stories from these authors that um, I've noticed that the kinds of projects I take on are the ones that people um, were either afraid to write or has like really touches on their identity and something really important to them. Um, so I kind of knew going in what I wanted that to look like. I just didn't think it was, you know, I was ready. And yeah. I had a full-time job at the time, um, just a nine to five office job that had great benefits and just didn't, that I didn't take home, you know, that I didn't, you know, I, I got off at five and that was it. And I was able to build the agency around that. And of course, Ben's support. And then just within a few months, cause I'd been at that job for almost a year mm-hmm. within a few months, I was able to go down to part-time to a different job. I was being a caretaker um, for a girl with cerebral palsy. And then, and then even just not too long after that, I was able to go full time because I got really, really lucky. Like a few really good things happened in a row. My first clients were just incredible and they sold and they continue to sell. They're like on their sixth and seventh books now. And I think that, I think it was a bit escalated on the timeline. So if there's any new agents listening and think like that was really fast, like it was really fast. (laughs) Well, but Part of why I think you, what what makes you good at what you do in your niche is how you pick your books. Because you, because of that support, it gave you the freedom to be picky and be Mm. like, I'm not going to like a book. I'm going to love a book. I have to really feel this book and not think, oh, it'll make the money or, oh, it'll, it'll, Mm -hmm. it's like the books that you feel like you want to be behind emotionally. And so I guess, like, how did you pick those like how do you decide that you just what like what connects with you or yeah I wish that that started from a really smart business savvy sort of place like I made the conscious decision that this is how I was going to shape things but honestly um I'm a very slow reader my Mm. first year open to submissions I got over 10,000 submissions (laughs) god I think I remember you telling me that you're like I'm gonna die yeah I didn't before I read all these (laughs) I didn't know and I wanted you know I, I was very clear that I wanted to read every single submission myself and respond to every single submission. It was very important to me coming from a writing background. I knew what that meant to these authors who put themselves out there and did the work and I wanted to give that back. So yeah, it was just a very slow process um, to try to wade through all these stories and find something that I really connected with. And what came up through that process of just seeing, you know, a zillion middle grade stories, a zillion space operas and a billion epic fantasies is I started to develop my own taste and I yeah. started to figure out what really rings true for me, what I love. Great voice for for one, particularly for children's books. Mm. It has to feel true and real for me. And yeah, I think... Um, that's how I ended up deciding for like my mental health that I needed to have a small focus list. It wasn't going to be, um, all my, the things. yeah, I couldn't do it. I had to be very focused on what I was looking for and I had to be very careful about who I decided to work with. Um, it had to be somebody who was thinking long-term career and who really was willing to work with me to develop their books, even no matter how amazing it is. Um, I'm always going to do at least a couple rounds of edits and to this day on, on every book that comes through. Because um, you have such a strong writing background and that's also yeah. a passion of yours and yeah. I knew that was something you wanted to be a hands-on agent. Right. And so, um, but that's great. I mean, I would think if I was on the other end, I would hope that if you, because your hand, your foot's in the industry, these people mm-hmm. who are submitting, I think the leg up would be nice. So it's at least nice being like, well, you know what, fix this, tighten this to make it more marketable before we yeah. even pitch it. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. I'm sure 
everyone has their own opinions on that, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then everyone's different. And some people really do want to just, I have been working on this book for a decade. It is as polished as I could possibly make it. And I just want it to go out on submission. Like mm. I'm ready for that. Um, and some books are very, very close. And so I think that that's, you know, a different type of agent author dynamic that works just fine. Um, it's just the way that I do things. Yeah. That's, you just like to have use of that more close up. I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pain. <laughs> like I'm very involved in my authors and in strategic planning, what the next books are going to be and, and all of that. I don't know if I would say a pain. I mean, I, 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 again, being your friend for all these years, I'm like, I love that. I'm like, man, if I ever had an agent, that's the kind of agent I would want. Someone who actually is like emotionally invested in this because you're in it together. You know, mm-hmm. you're their cheerleader. You're their champion. You're these the person who's like, okay, I, I see the potential of this story. Um, let's get it out there. So, okay, so you're <laughs> wading through 10,000 manuscripts. Mm-hmm. You find a few that you really like. And it, it went very quickly. Like that must have been, if you already didn't feel good, like, like confident going in, mm-hmm. that must have been crazy. Like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like when you were first starting out, like what was your first, you had an auction pretty early on, didn't you? Yeah, I did. That was for the City of Brass. It was the third book I went out on submission with. Um, third book ever. Ever. You're, you're just like submitting and you're like, oh gosh, let's go to auction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, it was, I, I knew that book was very good. I, I, I'm. I had a feeling, but I think all of the books that I take on are, are really good. You know, there's something about them that I think is going to set them apart in the market and that I just really love. Um, so yeah, four days in, we got the first preempt for it, the, pre- the preempt for it. And so what's I, a preempt just to, for those listening who maybe don't know what that is. It is a like, this is amazing. We really love it. We want you to take it off the table and just get, you know, it's a really strong offer. Um, like we want it, don't send it anywhere else. Yeah. So like a preemptive yeah claiming yeah essentially yeah exactly exactly and it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do as as a young agent is to you know figure out if that was the right thing to do because sometimes Mm -hmm. it is to take the preempt or if there's enough um interest if it's you know if we really want to see what's out there with a certain book um was to decide not to take that preempt and to to see what could happen next and and it's good that we did um I think it ended up doing you know, being where it needed to be. And, and, and Shan was so happy with the editor. And, and I, I think that that if you, if you have the option to have that choice, that's really, yeah. that's, a, that's nice. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing in the beginning. And I was calling all of my, you know, agent acquaintances and agent friends, some local, some not, and being like, Hey, so how do you run this? I've seen them run, you know, I've been involved in them, but I've never actually run one myself. And so I kind of took the bits of advice that I liked from the various, people that I spoke with and and figured out how I wanted to run an auction. Um, and there's, there are two different kinds. There's like a best bids kind where people come in with like, this is it, this is the strongest Top offer. And see which one's the best out of those. <laughs> yeah. And, and also you take other factors into account as well, like you know, marketing plans, editor, um, author, connection, things like that. What they're bringing to the table. Exactly. And then on the other side, you can do like a, a rounds of auctions. So then it just can keep going up and up and up depending. Where it's, it's like almost like an eBay kind of thing. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, okay, well, oh, well, they're back with more. We really want this. No, we think we can do it. And then yeah. can come so back. that's what happened with, with City of Brass. Wow, that's so cool. 
Yeah, it was it but, was amazing. I was like, I remember just running like this is if anyone any editors are listening, I was just running up and down like the hallway in between each one, just like, oh my gosh, it's this and oh my gosh, this is happening and, and Ben would like calm me down and we'd go back and be professional, but I was definitely flipping out a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And calling again those those agents um that I rely on that are that are now very close friends that um, you know, it's a community and I, I really needed that support. Wow, but that's really got to feel good when you have that instinct about a book and you get to see them, you know, come to fruition, other people's interest in sharing that. I mean, I imagine that that's the thing. That's why you do this mm-hmm. is you're just connecting with the stories and like want to get these good stories into people's hands. Yeah. I mean, it's just across the board, finding that editor in that house that is behind a story, whether it's been four days or 18 months, which is how long it has taken me to sell a book before. It doesn't really matter. Um, it really it, finding that perfect match is just amazing. In fact, I'd probably say that book that took eighteen months meant a little bit more because it was it was so hard. It was so hard to find that person. And then when we did, like they were just as excited as I was, and it was like it was brand new. It like breathed new life into the story, into the author, into this whole journey. So I because it was that like was worth it. Oh you're reminded of why you were excited about it. I mean, I'm sure that's how authors feel editing. They're like, oh my God, I hate this story. I just want to be done. And, but then obviously when the readers experience it, it's, it's worth the work. So, mm-hmm. um, how, like when you say 18 months till someone is, you know, gets it, like, what does that mean for people who maybe don't know what an agent does? If they're just like, I know I need an agent, but how does this work? Like, what is the journey like to get a book into publishing? Um, well, after we do all the edits and it's ready to go and we're all excited and we've done the first sort of big editorial pass and then the polishing round round or rounds, depending, um, then I put together a list of editors that I think would be a good fit um, for this particular project based on my, you know, my experiences with them, my relationships with them. Mm-hmm. And um, I often will show it to the author and ask them if they have any ideas if there's um, any editor they've seen maybe on Twitter or something that they really like mm. or connected with their voice and and if there's like some dream imprint which some authors do like oh I really really want to be published by Penguin like that would be a dream I grew up with Penguin mm, books gotcha. that kind of a thing um, so take that into account and then from there I write letters to the editors um, pitching the book after I write a pitch that's part of it too you know um, similar to a query um, which was a skill that I luckily developed very early and very young um, that has translated usefully into this career because that's what you get we'll talk about that later but it's just like summarizing the book in a catchy way that makes people perk up Right. Yes. And so then I put the pitch together, write a letter to each of the editors, kind of sit telling them why exactly I think that this book is a good fit for them specifically. Um, mm. And sometimes I'll make calls. Like uh, recently I had a few YA books that were already at the same time, which doesn't usually happen. I just signed my 13th client. I keep a very small list. So it's rare for me to have several books in the same you know, genre genre and age group. Um, So what I wanted to do is really separate out what the nuances of people's taste. Gotcha. Um, And so that's what I did. I made some calls and tried to really, you know, fetter out because all my books are very, very different from each other. I mean, it's amazing how much of it, it really is like a people thing too, because you've got to know the editors and be like, okay, well, this person really likes this kind of style. Or I'm guessing you also look at what they've worked with before. So you can see not only their 
editing style, but like obviously what they're into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, matters. that's a, that's the first thing that I did when I became an agent was just scouring publishers marketplace and reading books that people have published and trying to get a sense of their taste even if it's just a few chapters of you know a few books that they've published mm. just to really understand what the kinds of things that that they love and that changes over time you know mm-hmm. I recently since I'd been in the industry for seven years or eight years oh gosh I'm losing track um I wanted to kind of re-up everything like because I have these lists of like what people wanted several years ago and I know fairly well and have sent projects to but I wanted to you know, is it, do you still really, really want to have a space opera, that kind of a thing? Mm. So just keeping up those connections is, is kind of important, too. I mean, again, I think that would be beneficial to everybody because you're not going to be submitting books that don't fit. And they're probably going to appreciate you not giving them books that don't fit. <laughs> so that's great. Um, I think everyone in this industry appreciates that. Well, yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Um, and, and so you just go one at a time. You don't, like, send all, all of them out at once. I do. I do. So So there's several rounds, actually, typically. Um, so, cause you don't want to totally exhaust the whole pool in one big round, unless you're particularly confident a book's going to sell early and you want to have like maybe an auction situation. But even that's, that's super risky. Cause even if you're super confident, you never really know, mm-hmm. I'd say, um, how something's going to go. So uh, my ideal is to break it down, um, to people that I think is like really, really strong fits and send it out and then see what the feedback looks like. So it'll be maybe 10, 15 editors, but it also depends on the age group. So that's a higher number for like a children's books. It'll be a smaller number for like adult fantasy because that's a smaller gotcha. niche of publishing. Um, so you've got like your top picks or like not even top picks, you're just your first round of people yeah. that you think it might be a good fit for. And Yeah, every once in a while I'll save someone that I think would be potentially like really good fit. For like a second round, just, you know, if I'm cycling through and I have two projects that are both, you know, adult fantasies and then I'll switch. So it's not necessarily like there's, you know, the the second round editors are people that I don't think are amazing. I just may already have a project with them and I don't think this is a 100% perfect fit or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Yeah. so, So the feedback is also really important to see if everyone is saying the same thing. Or if it's just, you know, very close calls or if we're way off base that, you know, pausing sort of in the middle of the process, which is why it can take sometimes, you know, 18 months to or, or you know, that's not ideal, but it can happen because you have that pause where you you work on it and then try to send it out again, which I've had I've had good luck with um, in the past. Like using the feedback from the editors. Mm-hmm. It's weird that your experience working with the editors is kind of like people getting an agent. Like it's literally right. it's very similar. I'm literally saying I'm like, well, this is sounds exactly the same in a lot of ways that's amazing um and then yeah and then hopefully someone loves it and then you go from there and um yeah. i mean that's gotta be so just so cool to like see i don't know i just think it's really neat there's so many times i'm looking at like your clients books and i'm like this is just so awesome that my friend you know helped this come into the world and it's just one part of one of the cogs in the big wheel that mm. you know but that you were able to connect with these stories and and take it to the to the place where it needs to be. So I'm sure everybody wants to know, like, okay, well, how do I get an agent and da-da-da-da-da. And I know you've answered this question like a gazillion freaking times. <laughs> but it's – I would assume it's always changing. And as your tastes evolved, you know, and like you were just saying about with the editors too. And, and earlier today you said something which I reminded me you were like things that – are important never really change like there's these certain things you're like yeah when I say that I mean that like that's actually a valid thing to say Mm -hmm. so like I'm your I'm an author I have a book I love and I think you're a good fit as an agent which hello that's important I would assume yeah that was definitely something I was gonna say is doing the research on the agents because I think 
people spend years sometimes of their life on these books that they care so much about Mm -hmm. and they pour so much of themselves into and then not nearly as much time in the querying process. Like they're excited to get it out there. I fully understand that, but I think you should like treat it like it is the next step in your business, in your career, if that's how you are managing writing. So yeah, take a look at the, the, just like what I did with editors, take a look at what books an agent has out or if they're new or sort of what books their agency represents and that vibe and see if they have any social media presence, like check them out, see if they're a good fit, see interviews that they've done where they say, hey, I'm an editorial agent, I'm not an editorial agent, um, you know, how, what kind of communication style they have, things like that you can often find online. That and I sense. think that that's, that's key when you're sending it out and really making sure that a potential agent is a good fit for you because that's just as important as, as the other way around is them liking you. That would represent kind of where you see yourself going. Exactly. In this industry. Okay, so say i am got my book and I think you are my good fit and you happen to be open to submissions at the time. So I want to get you, I want to get my book in your hands. What do I do? How do I get that book in your hands? Well, I have a website as a lot of agents do. And on the submission page, you'll see my guidelines and it's super important to follow them. I think I said this a million times, but I'm always going to say it. Um, if you follow the guidelines, like have your query, your, your one to two page synopsis, the sample, um, chapter or pages that are the, the right amount and sent in the correct way, which in most cases is pasted into an email or into a query form, you're going to be in the top 20 to 30% of submissions. That's an insanely small percentage. It is. 20 to 30%, less than a third of the people do it right. Yeah, which is strange um, <laughs> when I know that a lot of agents say the same thing and it really helps. You know, I've had people fully leave off a synopsis, even though there's a whole box for it. Um, and I I just I know exactly why or I, at least I have a, a pretty strong idea of why it's because they're really hard and scary. And they think that I'm going to put my best foot forward by just giving you the things that I know that I'm better at, that I'm confident in, because I've been there. I dreaded writing a synopsis when I was writing when I was a teenager. Um, And it took me probably longer to figure out how to write a good query than Mm. it did to write my first draft of my first novel when I was 17 or whatever. It's, I mean, it's terrible. I keep bringing it up like it, but the experience I think has helped me be rather empathetic towards the process. But yeah, just, but having said that empathetic, but within those boundaries, Mm -hmm. because if, because I did like if a 17 year old could figure it out, like I think that we could do it. So, okay. So that makes sense. So I guess it's just doing it right and finding that hook and appealing to you and why you would be a good fit. And and yeah, that sounds scary, but at the same time, that's how else would they, how else would agents know? I mean, yeah, I mean, manuscript wishlist is such a great resource as well. I think um, a lot of agents and editors have those pages where you can see the types of books that they like and exactly what they're looking for and what their dream book is like, that's great. Now, you've done some Twitter stuff, right? Mm-hmm. With like the Twitter queries. Contest? Yeah, Twitter contests. Like, yeah. Talk about that. Because I actually, that's like obviously a newer thing with publishing because it's you know, social media. Um, but they have these, there's various contests. And I know writers are often very aware of them. I have friends who do them all the time. But I love that it's, you know, here's someone who it's actually, you can see the other side. It's happened. It, it does happen. It's not just this potential thing that really never pans out. Mm-hmm. You, you've actually look to clients, right? Oh, I think the majority of my most recent clients have come from DB Pitt. 
Um, so, and it's just, I think what happened is, you know, Beth started this amazing thing and it was a place where voices that I'd been calling for and I'd been really wanting to see in, in fiction were finally feeling comfortable coming to this place as opposed to directly to me. And I think that was my bad. Like I wasn't being you know loud enough and clear enough. And this gave me a way to be like, yes, I am here. I want these stories. Um, I would love to connect with you. And so, I, I mean, there were times where I would just be like, if you're going to submit to DB Pit and you just know that I'm also open. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And, and lately I've been close to submissions for big chunks of the year. And so, yeah, places like that, my manuscript wish list also are ways to get a hold of me when I am closed, which I know is a frustratingly long amount of time. Well, I mean, but again, you're a human who is dealing with all the <laughs> levels of this business and you have a life, um, even though you work every do single I? day. <laughs> yeah. Life. <laughs> when, when, when do you not, you know, work? But you are. You work all the time. Um, but... Again, you need to, like you said, 10,000 submissions in your first year. I can't even believe that. Yeah. It's insane. Um, but but I can imagine the pitches, like writing them, because it's a Twitter pitch, which is nice that it's double the length now because it makes mm-hmm. you have a little more sentences you can use. But like, yeah, the fact that you scroll through and go, ooh, this sounds good. So, you know, work on those pitches, I guess. Yeah, I really look for um, clear stakes. I think that's what I... I love to see, I've heard a lot of agents talk about really liking the X meets X. I think that's also a fabulous way to get an agent's attention um, in a very quick way, you know, in that. Like two books that are popular and like a cross between the two and. Yes. Yeah. Or even like a book and a movie or like something like that. I think that that works as well. Um, I, I care a little bit less about that than I think, but I've heard this enough to where I would say it's good advice to try to, to have something like that in your pitch. Um, but also for me, it's, it's stakes like character plus stakes you know and then and then um whatever the conflict might be like what's in the way of those you know yeah so that's that's what really drew me in I mean when I when I saw the city of brass um tweet it was like 18th century Cairo okay hooked um con artist and then like it was just the way that she you know tried to survive and you know and it was just so well done and it just immediately caught my attention and I think um, so also having like something unique, like figure out what the really special part of your story is and have that in there if you can. Yeah. Cause everybody has something that's unique to them as a person and as a writer and that you can bring to the table and bring into your, into your books. So that makes sense. Is there anything else you can think of off the top of your head that are like big mistakes or big no-nos that people make that we haven't talked about? Gosh, big ones. I mean, other than like we we did talk about just making sure you get the right project to the right agent. Yeah. Like, just knowing that like I'm not the best fit for whatever that might be. I can't even think of something fully off the table right this minute. Well, we were talking about this last night when I was saying even as a reviewer, like I do sci-fi fantasy. I even st- I stated clearly, and this is what I review, and I still get you know queries to review contemporaries like thrillers and stuff. And I'm like, it's not what I do, and mm. it's frustrating and I think if I was always getting those I would be frustrated so it makes sense that like that would be one of the biggest components is just making sure it's a really good fit so yeah and take your time I that's actually it's been a long time since I've said this and I I said it all the time when I first started agenting and I was on various panels as a as a young agent is really take your time getting to the querying stage because it it's so exciting to finish a book and then want to send it out into the world right away and I think it's it, it's really vital to, because you really have just 
like one shot at a lot of these agents. Mm. Like sometimes you'll get a second shot, but really it's just the one shot. And for any particular book, of course, there are future books. But um, I suggest, you know, taking a step back, really making sure that it's ready um, and and see, and come back to it with fresh eyes. Like really just take a few weeks to, to maybe even like two months to, to be away from that, write something else. Yeah. Um, and then and then come back to it and see if you still feel that it's strong and ready, get other eyes on it. I think that that's a really important part of the process that's that's hard for a lot of people, I think. I mean, have you been to the place where you, you know the pages, like you personally, do you get to a point where maybe the earlier things aren't great, but you like the idea maybe enough that you do read the pages? Um, get like to the if, actual book part. Oh, from a query to the pages? Yeah, because if your part of your query is the summary and then it's like a sample. Yeah, so I usually read both. I, I actually am more interested in the writing than the query, although I think it's a strong query will always help. Um, but I I know how hard it is to write a query, like I've said, and, and a synopsis. So I don't really ding authors for if that's like a, not quite conventionally perfect or um, if it's a little bit, you know, I'm like, I'm not totally sure about mm-hmm. it, but I will always read the first pages to see if there's something there. Like I fully, I've taken on projects where the queries were not stellar, but then, you know, I wrote, I wrote the pitch and they sold. Um, but that, that I, I'm so glad I looked at those pages because the voice just came alive. I think also having some of that voice and some of the tone or whatever your book sort of hangs its hat on, um, infused in the queries mm. is a really useful tool so that they kind of get a tease of of before they even get to the pages like the vibe that they're mm-hmm. yeah the vibe exactly that you're hoping that or the writer hopes you anticipate being in the yeah. story which again is a very difficult very specific like nuance skill. yeah yeah i don't think that would be easy at all i'm literally thinking like how the heck would i do that if i was a writer i just you just sort of have to know the feel of your story and like yeah what and you're... so and some authors are very very good at it and honest I, I never really thought about this before but Gwen Claire who did the Ink Iron and Glass series she queried me and the my pitch was almost almost exactly her her query it we, we made very few changes because wow. it was so strong and so clear and had such a sense of place and voice um but I also realize now she's a prolific short story author so perhaps you know, being able to distill ideas in that way um, uh, kind of translated and to... benefited her. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's cool. In a minute, we're going to go to books that you like, but I want to kind of maybe touch on the harder stuff and and being an agent and what are the challenges that you maybe encounter um, on your end, maybe challenges for authors that you find that are hard for them to maybe overcome. Yeah, well, on my side, it's pretty simple um, that I have really weird taste, but like good weird, I'd say. But I like books that fall in the in-between, between genres, between age groups. And I think that that's something that I'm just railing against when it comes to the industry as a whole, because I don't think I'm going to give up these books and give up on these books. So um, it's good. <laughs> Publishing is going to have to come to me on these. And, <laughs> and so far, so good. It's been it's been very a really good journey, but, but that is probably my biggest struggle is when, you know, I'll get responses like, oh, this feels like an adult book. And then from the adult publishers, this feels like a YA book, or this feels like it belongs at a more SFF publisher. And then, oh, I think it belongs in more literary publisher. It's the same exact book, getting the exact opposite critique because it really does fall in between. Right on that And I just, I love those kinds of stories. I love the genre bending. I love the kind of 
you know, yeah, it's my favorite. So I don't think I'm going to fully give it up. I think I'll be a little bit more mindful in the future, but I think um, that's, a, that's a struggle for me. And then for my authors, I think um, there's, it's just sometimes it can be really long. We talked about being on submission for, for, you know, 18 months or more, um, you know, which again, is not super common to be on sub that long, but it certainly happens. But even, even a few months on submission is such a stressful time. You know, you sort of second guess yourself, you start getting those first, you know, passes and you don't know if it's going to happen. And I think that's probably one of the harder times for authors. And my best advice is to work on the next thing because it just reminds you that you are a writer and you have more stories than you. So no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. And, yeah. and, and hopefully your agent is, is supportive of that and, and you'll be able to, to continue working and doing what you love too. Well, and there's a, there's a myriad of reasons why things will be not picked or, mm. or or chosen on the flip side. And I mean, countless authors, their first books with agents never sold, but then their second or thirds are what helped them get their name on the map. So right. it's, it you know, it's not necessarily you're the worst ever if it doesn't sell or if no. it takes a while. It just, that's part of the experience of the journey. Yeah. And I'm quite persistent. You know, we really, I do make sure we, we are... We've exhausted our options and that we're ready to go to the next step. I, I, my enthusiasm for the stories that I take on doesn't really wane. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you, I think you asked about that a little bit earlier about, you know, after all that time, it sort of reinvigorates yeah. me, but I don't, it doesn't really wane. Like, I just love these stories so much and it doesn't go away from me. I, I love them and I want them to be successful and I want these authors to be successful. Um, cause like I said, 13th client most recently signed and, you know, so each one of these has such a special place in my heart and, uh, yeah, I really want to see them do well. Yeah. That sounds hard though. You're right. The waiting and it's like, Oh, I waited and had to hear back from my agents. Now I might have an agent and now I have to wait back and hear from all the editors. It's just a like hurry up and wait game mm-hmm. kind of, but yeah, you're right. You have to not let one thing, whether it, you know, dictate. Yeah. You can't let one book define you. That's for sure. Man. I'm sure that's really hard because if, if you, you know, finally been an agented, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I feel like it would be something that would be hard not to feel like, okay, now I've, I've made it, I'm legit or whatever, because you have someone else who's in the industry, who's now cheerleading for you. Um, which is amazing. And I know we should all have that if we're, that's where you're in, if what you're doing, but yeah, that would be, you need to, like you said, be a little easier on yourself. I could imagine mm-hmm. it would be really hard. Yeah. That's a big chunk of my, my job is like be nicer to yourselves. Just making sure they feel all right. I think. Cause it, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Um, and I think a lot of people's hopes and dreams are all really put into what is essentially a subjective art. Um, and I think people exactly. forget that. Yeah. I mean, I was telling Jen this last night and, if you listen to my episode last year with Julie Kagawa um, on Shadow of the Fox, I loved that book. It's her like anime in a book form that she wrote. And it was the first book she said she wrote or she got her agent from that book or something. It was the first one they submitted and no one wanted it because it was like Japanese inspired as anime. And mm-hmm. so she sold a bunch of other stuff and she wrote her Iron Face series and then her other stuff. And now this has come back around. And now that there's more diversity wanting to be seen in publishing, that book sold has sold now. So, you know, it's so great to hear. It really is. Yeah. And I freaking, like I said, that, that was my favorite so far. It's my favorite of all of her books that I've read. And I'm so glad 
I've actually have thought this. Like, I am so glad this book is in the world because it was such a great read. It made yeah. me smile and it was such a great adventure. And it was all those anime tropes that are so ridiculous are so in there and they're perfect. And yeah, it, it does. So, I mean, be okay with the fact that, like you said, it's a subjective art form. It's a journey. So mm-hmm. I know you're reading all the time for work. Mm-hmm. Do you ever read for fun? Yeah, I mean, I try. It's rare. <laughs> Are there um, any books that you... I'm I'm broadening this up. I usually ask authors, like, books you've read. But, like, if you're, you know, you're reading potential books all mm-hmm. the time. But are there books that either you've read that you've loved recently um, or, like, books that you've really heard a lot about that you're excited to read? Yeah, I mean, I am very late to the V.E. Schwab party. So I just... <laughs> listened to A Darker Shade of Magic not too long ago and was like, oh, this is why everyone I've ever met ever has told me that I would like these books. Because um, <laughs> they're loved, awesome, yeah. Loved, loved it. Um, and then Tasha Suri's Empire of Sand, yeah. I just started that book and I was immediately sucked in. It's um, such a good book. I was so grateful that the, um, the editor sent it to me. and Well, and, and <laughs> Shan blurbed it. So. She did, yeah. She'd been talking about it um, and how wonderful it is. And I I had a, I have an arc, so I was like, I felt like it's like out now. Um, I'm trying to, to, to look at it. And I what I did actually is I got the um, ebook right away because I, I wanted to read it um, like sort of half asleep in bed at the end of my day mm-hmm. that you can't really do with the arc. So I, I, I started reading it, really loved it, knew I was going to continue loving it and then immediately bought the ebook and continued reading. Yeah, that's a good one. That's I, mean, I feel like that book comes up a lot in the podcast. So Interesting. She's, yeah, she's an awesome person. And I, I also really loved that book. I think you and I, I actually messaged you. I remember because I was reading it and I saw that Shan had blurbed it and I was like, oh my gosh, you have to read this book. Like, have you read this book? We were talking mm-hmm. about it because I, I thought it was up your alley and I thought you would enjoy yeah. it too. So so before we go, I just wanted to say that um, we are going to do a giveaway. Jen has these beautiful stacks of all of her books behind her and we've got a, she's got a bunch of extras of some of them. And so I asked her if we could do an American in the US giveaway of a box of like, all the extra books she has. So, so you Correct. have a couple middle grade, a couple YA, yeah. some adult fantasy, adult. one yep. contemporary. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a big mix. It's, it is a big mix, but it's, I think it would be a really cool thing for, you know, as a reward. So I will have, I, you know, I was thinking maybe the full entry, but I'll actually just do like a bonus entry. If you, um, yeah, we'll say dreams. That was a good word. Jen said something mushy and, and sweet about, you know, because you are, you're, these are people's dreams and they're heart books, like you said. So I'll have an extra um, link in the profile to a separate giveaway form. And if you do that, that'll be an extra bonus point for this giant, awesome books of books. So books of books. You're laughing at me? She's laughing at me because I can't talk, you guys. <laughs> I'm totally keeping this in. Box <laughs> of books which will be awesome. So, um, yay, I'm so glad you did this. Oh, thanks so much. This is really fun. I'm, I'm glad I came on. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you... I, I knew I wanted to have you on, and I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen sitting in your office when I'm physically <laughs> in your house going, hey, are we going to do the podcast? And you're right. like, yeah, let's do the podcast. <laughs> thanks again for listening. Bye.